You're listening to the South Georgia Insider, sponsored by WDDQ Talk 92.1, home of the Scott James Matheson Show. Now here's your host, Theresa Boyd. All right, welcome to another episode of South Georgia Insider. Um, To say 2020 has been an unusual year would be an understatement. As COVID has swept through our state, our country, and the world, we have witnessed stories of resiliency. No community has been immune from COVID-19, and often we find smaller rural, rural communities are the hardest hit. For our listeners, let's first paint the picture of Georgia's rural communities. 26% of Georgians live outside urban cities like Atlanta, Savannah, Columbus, Macon. Out of Georgia's 159 counties, 120 are considered rural. And what's our biggest industry? Well, that would be agriculture, which is about a $74 billion impact. Today, we're going to talk to one of our rural leaders, and that is Lisa Smart, Executive Director of the Nashville Berrien Chamber of Commerce and the Berrien County Economic Development Authority. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Good. Now, Lisa wears multiple hats. As I said, she keeps busy um, keeping businesses coming in to Berrien and Nashville. Um, And while she's doing that, she's doing a lot of different other things, especially this year. Lisa, you were working on the census, census 2020. Correct. Right, right. I was the head of the complete count committee for uh, our county this year. So, yes. Well, good. And so um, then COVID hit. So, first of all, Lisa, before we get started, for those of our listeners who are not really aware of Berrien County and Nashville, tell us a little bit about Nashville, Berrien County, um, um, what you've got going on there. Sure. Yeah, I'm always happy to brag on our county. So we are located in rural South Georgia. We are just north of Lowndes County, Valdosta. A lot of people are familiar with where they are. We're a county of about 19,000. I guess our census will give us our correct numbers, but we're about 19,000. We're made up of four municipalities, Nashville, Alapahal, Enigma, and Ray City. So um, that's us. That's where we're located at. And, and what would you say you're most known for there in Berrien County? Well, um, as you said, agriculture certainly is our number one industry, but it's made up of so many various farmers and agritourism. But our largest industry is Chaparral Robalo Boats. We employ, they employ about um, between seven and 800 people, so a rather large-sized industry for us to be such a small community. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about there and that and, and some of the, the roles that that industry played as you deal. But... As we know, COVID hit, and you, like all chamber people and economic people around the state, were forced with um, adding some more work to your to your plate. And, and I understand that you kind of started serving as the um, communication hub. So let's talk a little bit about how, when you first started hearing about COVID, its impact, right. not really knowing, how did you kind of start um, getting people together, getting that message out? Sure, sure. I'll be happy to. So, um, as every other county in the state, March 13th, we know the exact day that it hit here. March 13th was the last day our kids were in school. It was the last day we operated in any type of normalcy around here. That is also the the day we made the decision as a chamber to cancel our largest fundraiser of the year. Um, Two weeks after that date, we had our annual rodeo scheduled. 
and we had to make a decision that day of do we move forward with this or do we cancel it? Um, do we put our money into it and risk what could happen? Or So we made the decision to cancel our large fundraiser, which has impacted us as a chamber and what we can do for our chamber members. But in the turn, in the flip of that, we began to realize the community was very anxious. Um, they were nervous about what was coming. They didn't know what was happening. They were hearing it on a national level and even a state level, but our local businesses in the industry did not know what was happening here. Quickly, we realized someone needed to be the voice for our community. So uh, with my um, chamber chairman, we got together and we said, okay, we, we have the ability to do this. We were already doing live broadcast. We were very familiar with how to do that. So we gathered a group together that consisted of our EMA director, our county commissioners, our school superintendent, hospital administrator, and our sheriff. And we said, okay, we need to form a committee. And those were the key players with our committee um, that came together and not necessarily made decisions, but communicated to our community. We just, there needed to be a voice of, a voice for them to listen to of, you know, what is remaining open? What is closing? What does the executive orders given by the governor, how does that affect my individual business? So we became that line of communication. We started weekly meetings um, where this committee would come together and meet, and then we would do a live broadcast every week to communicate to the to the community what was happening within us and how everything was affecting our local community. So when you say live broadcast, how, how did you do that off of social media or off your website? We did. We did. We had it set up. Um, our chamber page became the, um, the broadcast center. So our Facebook chamber page, we would do live broadcast. And so everyone knew every Wednesday at 10 a.m. they could tune in to our chamber page and they could hear what was happening with the community. Okay, so you, you um, first of all, you used your chamber page. Then did you uh, use any other form of communication? Did we you did. We, um, we, yeah, we set up a separate page within our website where we um, were able to do listings. We had so many businesses either changing their hours, closing, or changing their mode of operation during that time that we needed a central place for, to be able to list all those businesses. And what we did as a chamber, and we made a decision as a board that while majority of the time we work for our chamber members, you pay to be part of this organization, we work for our chamber members, this was a time we felt like the chamber walls needed to come down. This was no longer about just the chamber, it was about the whole community. So we no longer focused solely on our chamber members. We decided any business that wanted to list anything for the good of the community, we, we posted it on our pages. Whether it was, you know, a business that was giving away free food or if it was, um, you know, somebody that was needing to close for a week or they needed a certain type of PPE that another business may have, we were able to post those so they could share with each other and help each other out as a community. And so, you know, we mentioned that you also wore the hat of the economic development um, person. And so you mentioned Chaparral right. Boats. And um, so did they shut down for a period of time? They did, very briefly. Um, you know, they, they, as several other of our industries, were struggling to get PPE. 
in a timely manner to be able to, you know, and they're already dealing with, you know, fiberglass and having to wear PPE on a regular basis. So they had some in stock, but um, they, um, for a short period of time when the entire state was shut down, they did shut down. They were able to open relatively soon. Um, and, and, you know, through this, they have ended up thriving as an industry. They have not been without their challenges, um, you know, as Shipments haven't been able to come in from overseas as easily as they did before COVID hit. You know, they do struggle with some of their suppliers. But on the flip of that, they have they have definitely thrived as an industry. What we have found is people that would normally spend their money traveling the world or doing something outside of the United States can't do that right now. So they're staying at home. They're buying boats, uh, recreational vehicles. And they're doing more things closer to home. So the boating industry has actually taken a, a big boom right now. Right. Yeah, actually, I read an article recently, up, upwards 40%, 50% in sales of, yes. of leisure boats in, this, in the country, which it, is amazing. It is. It is. And they were already, you know, such a very vital and booming industry for us. But with that, you know, they've increased employees. And we have so many other industries here that supply them. Um, we have Coyote Manufacturing, BH Electronics, that supply the electrical components or the trailers for them. So they, too, have seen an upward swing in things. Okay. Um, so, and we also, uh, you, you had mentioned to me one time that in your agricultural side, because we all know that um, food production kind of hit a little snag there where um, some some processing plants shut down so there was a definitely a supply chain uh hiccup and you mentioned uh danforth farm tell us a little bit about how they who they are and how they kind of pivoted and it now is working in the plus plus side for them it is it is so danforth farms it's a multi-generational farming family here i've been here for years and they um, they are pig farmers, hog farmers, and they supplied most of their meats went to um, Smithfield. And as we all know, Smithfield was one of the first um, agriculture industries that was hit through this, that they had to shut down many of their plants across the country. So they weren't able to ship their product out. So here sits their product with nothing to do with it. And they acted very quickly, very forward-thinking with what they did. They found a closer processing plant, much smaller processing plant, and they went through the USDA and were able to create their own label to sell their product locally. So we have a local farmer's market here that stays open just a few days a week, and they began bringing their refrigerated truck weekly into town, and I say into town because they live out in, in the much more rural area, into town, and they would sell on the weekends at the farmer's market. It, it was a huge success, and people would stand in line for an hour to buy their meat. Um, so through this, they realized, okay, we, we have a product here we could sell locally. So they already owned one of our local downtown buildings where they had created a, um, a motel, and a beautiful little boutique motel here in town. So they expanded that storefront of that building, and um, they took an old, it was an old Sinclair gas station, and they have created a old country store, an old-timey type of country store in it where they're selling their meats, their fresh 
grown here in Berrien County, processed locally, and then sell, sold here locally in Berrien County meats. And then they pull in other products. Um, they focus a lot on the Georgia-grown products, which is great. Um, they're getting um, beef from uh, Coffee County, and then they're pulling in several of the other Georgia-grown products that they're selling there inside of the shop. So it's added value to our downtown area, but it's also kept, it's kept it local, which we love. But it was a way for them during this time to be able to utilize their product without having to lose that product. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's an attraction for your community, too, because I remember seeing it on Facebook when they started coming in, bringing their trucks in and seeing some of the pictures. And and that's kind of where I heard first about it. So, I mean, it gets some notoriety to Nashville and bringing people into your downtown, which is an area you're trying to build up right now. It is. It is. Yeah. And in fact, I had ran into someone. I was in Tifton the other day, and they were asking me, "What's what's happening on the corner?" I drove by the other day. What's that new thing on the corner? So people are noticing it. They're seeing it. When I told them, they said, "Oh, well, that's a destination. We want to come to that." And so, um, so it has been a definitely added value to us here. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned, you know, your downtown and your small businesses, and uh, all the studies, you know, and reports are saying that it's the small businesses that have been hit the hardest during COVID, but you as a chamber, uh, you kind of pivoted a little bit on that and you, uh, you had a, a grant, uh, of, uh, before, but you kind of have, uh, moved it over to a safety grant. Um, for, we have, we uh, had, tell us a little bit about that, how that works. Yeah. So we had a, the, through the chamber of commerce, we had what we called a business improvement grant. And we used the money that one thing from our, our rodeo, any type of fundraisers we did, we used the money to put into that business improvement grant. So typically that grant could be used by a chamber member that was doing upgrades to their business, whether they were doing painting or signage or um, like the downtown area has to have certain types of awnings. You know, if they were doing that type of thing, they could apply for this grant. And it was a matching grant. If they spent up to $1,000, we would match up to 500 of that. So it it was a great little way to help small businesses, but through this, what we were finding is a lot of small businesses weren't expecting the impact of having to buy products to either stay open safely or to um, be able to reopen. Uh, You know, restaurants were having to print new menus instead of using their their regular menus they they didn't expect to incur that printing charge or they were having to buy masks or or gloves or different types or several of them were having to buy new ways to um take charges from people so there was what our chamber board did was decide to take this money we normally use for our business improvement grant and turn it into a safety improvement grant it was not a matching grant what we decided to do was put it out there. Any small business that needed help with buying something to either safely remain open or reopen safely to the public, then we would help with that. We had 13 of our chamber members to apply for that, and we were able to provide that safety improvement grant to them at $500 a piece. While $500 may not seem like a lot to a big business, to a very small business mm-hmm. that didn't expect to have to buy these products, even cleaning products, you know, we said use it for anything like that. So uh, it, it meant a lot to those smaller businesses to, for them to be able to provide a safe environment for their employees and for customers. And, you know, when we talk about the small businesses, you you um, 
you mentioned um, the Danforth Farm opening the new one, but you have a couple other mm-hmm. uh, businesses there that are kind of um, are magnets to your downtown. One of them is Shops on Davis, and uh, you were mentioning that they had done some things too to try to booster their business because they're a consignment, right? Right. Yeah. Well, they they are a, a vendor operated type of of business. So um, it's called Shops on Davis, and inside of that business, they have different vendors that have basically pop up shops inside of there. So you know, during this time, they were shut down. They could not be open to the public. Um, you know, and for retail, this was devastating to some of our retailers that there was nothing they could sell if they did not already have a large online presence. It was difficult to start that during this time. So. They had a unique spin on it, and I loved what they did. Um, They would offer hero baskets. So you could call up to the shop and say, I want to order a hero basket. So um, like our our pharmacist. You know, our pharmacist still had to continue and work during this time, or our hospital employees had to still continue and work during this time, you know, risking their own safety to to help other people. So you could call up and say, I want to order... A, a hero basket for the pharmacist. I want to spend $50. I want to spend $100. Pay them over the phone. And they would create a basket. And be in a small town where everybody knows everybody, they kind of already know this person. They know what to create, you know, for them. Put together a basket, and then they would deliver it to them. So it was a way for their vendors to still be selling product, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a book and a candle and, you know, something like that put together or a piece of artwork or something put in there and then sent to that person. Um, so it was a great way to show appreciation to those who were still having to work, but it was also great for this business to be able to offer their vendors to be able to sell their products during this time. Yeah, and so as we as we kind of now moving through the 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 year, what does your um, small business uh, landscape look right like right now? Healthy, still struggling. What what's going on with your with your small business landscape? I, I would say rebounding. Um, you know, we we. Um, <laughs> Most of the businesses have reopened in some manner. Not everyone is back to operating the way they did before. Um, we have found some businesses that have chosen, some of our restaurants have chosen to stick with a pick-up or drive-through type of um, style instead of a sit-down restaurant right now, while others have you know, moved back to complete normal operations. I think right now we still don't know exactly what the future holds, so people are cautious. But we are seeing people return to shopping, return to spending. Um, we're seeing people wanting to get out and do things. Um, we have a, a local, um, I guess, a agritourism type of place here um, called Amazing Cane where families go out on the weekends and it's a cane maze and they have fun events outside. And, and they're having their best season because people do want to get out and do things. And being outdoors is a little safer than being indoors right now. So so there are things like that we're seeing that are flourishing. Um, we do still have businesses that I think are still trying to figure out how to navigate this new landscape. Um, and, and we're working with those and trying to help them figure out the best way for them to operate. Now, you mentioned this amazing cane. I'm not familiar with that. Where is that located? So it's located on Old Valdosta Highway, um, you know, like you're going out, I guess, toward Cat Creek Road that way. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a local family here in town, and they operate 
from the beginning of October to the end of November, and it's just a weekend operation. Yeah, it's a great little place for families, real inexpensive. Um, come out, they have they have cane grinding, they have the cane maze you can go into. They'll play a movie at night on the big screen out there. Um, they have a zip line. They have lots of fun wow. things for people to do. Okay. And, you know, we had mentioned earlier that agriculture was really big, a, a big factor there in uh, Berrien County. And so now do you all have some of the UPIC type farms in, in that area that were? We do. Yeah, we have several of the UPIC. Um, we actually have a, a Facebook page. Uh, I think it's called Berrien UPIC. And where they list their products, um, our young farmers group kind of operates it, and they list their products every week of what they have available and which farm you can go to to pick whatever you want. But then we also have some stationary ones like Southern Grace Farm. So, you know, moving forward, um, I think I read, too, that you all were kind of been working on a new kind of branding campaign, marketing campaign, um, to try to, you know, give more visibility to, to your area. So how is that going? Yeah, so we have been working with the Georgia Rural Center, and they have helped us create a a new branding. You know, as time changes, things become a little outdated, and so we have just wanted to bring a fresh new brand. Kind of our motto here at the Chamber and Development Authority is building a better barium. Um, So we've kind of played off of that, and we're using the phrase, come grow with us, because we are a growing community. Our businesses are growing, our industry is growing, and we we want people to move into our community and grow with us. Um, We love our small town feel, but we still believe there's room for growth there. So um, so we've re-band, kind of rebranded the, the look of the chamber and the development authority, and I know um, the city of Nashville and Main Street has kind of joined with us on that, and, and we're just trying to bring a new, fresh perspective to it. So looking back now, March, what do you think are some of the lessons you learned during COVID for your community? <clears throat> yeah, I think our, our biggest takeaway from it is we kind of learned how to rely on each other in our community um you know there's so much you can do online there's so much you can do you know the the world's a small place now we you can reach each other so quickly but with those lifelines being cut all around us we just kind of learned to get back to our roots and rely on each other in our community. I think we saw that with our committee that came together weekly. We saw that with Danforth Family Farms. And we even saw that, and we, we really didn't talk about this, but, um, you know, Chaparral Boat stepped up hugely during this time. Um, the Rawlings Family Foundation, they that's the parent company of Chaparral, they stepped up and gave a $100,000 donation into our food bank here. Um, we had a lot of families out of work during this time. A lot of people didn't know where they were getting their food from. And so they stepped in. They they provided boxes weekly to their chaparral employees, but then that overflow came into our local food bank here. And we were able to do manna food drops throughout the county and weekly just provide um, food to people that were struggling to be able to do that. So we just learned really to rely on each other during this time. Well, um, we hope and pray that we don't have to go through this again, but um, do you feel like you are coming out of this stronger than you were going into it as a community? You know, I think so. I I, I think we did learn a lot. Um, we, We grew in this in the sense that we just 
know how to handle a situation like this better. None of us expected to be in a in a pandemic has navigated it well. Um, we've supported each other. We've helped each other through it. Um, I have just seen such a unification with with the way businesses help each other. We've always been a close-knit community, but it's just been different through this. Well, good. Well, we have enjoyed talking to you and learning a little bit more about Berrien and Nashville and, and Ray City. And I, I think we probably should give a plug because I know probably a lot of our listeners come to your area because you've got a couple of really great places to eat. Uh, I know uh, Raysville Pond is a popular uh, destination for a lot of people. Yes, it is. And uh, my yes. husband and I, we enjoy Off the Hook um there and he has actually they have kind of expanded and do a food truck now that has really taken off that actually came they already had it for special events but it came with the pandemic they they switched over to just the food truck um it's called the shrimp box and they would travel around to different communities and they still have the shrimp box but um thankfully just recently the the restaurant itself off the hook has reopened on weekends okay um where you can sit down inside of the restaurant now oh good that's good to know yeah i knew they had kind of you know switched over but i see them on facebook all the time they're they're all over the place at anything and everything up to tifton and all over so so there are some of those great stories out there about um uh, you know businesses that woke up on, like you said, March 13th and said, oh, no. And then those um, that said, okay, so how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do it a little differently? And and one of the things I've seen is a lot of businesses have created an additional revenue stream that once their business opens up, like, um, you know, off the hook, they now have the food truck, which is an additional revenue stream once they open their restaurant back up. So they actually come out in a really winning, a win and win situation because now they've increased revenue through this other means that they probably wouldn't have known about or pushed had COVID not not happen so um, we love to hear stories like that we love to hear stories about how the real resiliency of our small businesses because I think that has also come about to be something we now hold very uh, dear to our hearts or our small businesses because we know how important they are Um, they're they're part of our community they are the backbone of this community yeah right (laughs) exactly exactly. well we have enjoyed talking to you and we thank you for joining us today on South Georgia Insider and if course as always we want to thank our producer spencer van horn who helps keep us moving this whole operation together and our sponsor um, scott james uh show on talk 92.1 and small town broadcast and again thank you for listening and uh you can download uh south georgia insider on apple itunes and also on spotify and we'll uh talk to you next time thanks